Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Hockey Journey Podcast, episode number 128, The Bruce Garriach Hockey Journey, presented to you by OnlineHockeyTraining.com. I'm your host, Coach Lance Petlick. If you're new here, please make sure you subscribe so you won't miss out on any future episodes. Before I put the car in reverse, reconnect with someone from my Ottawa Senators days over two decades ago and begin this conversation, if you want to learn more about me, my hockey experiences, that I have the world's largest database of off-ice stick handling, passing, and hockey shooting drills, what I know, and most importantly, how I've been helping hockey players get really good with a stick and puck, just head on over to OnlineHockeyTraining.com, that's OnlineHockeyTraining.com, and gain instant access to my 10-part video series where I'll show you everything. Consider it my gift to you. Lastly, if you live in Minnesota or are visiting the state of hockey sometime soon and want to schedule an in-person off-ice stick skills lesson, I'd love to have the opportunity to show you my little world. Go to SweetHockeyCoach.com, that's SweetHockeyCoach.com, and watch the video on the homepage for instructions. Thanks, and I look forward to working with you sometime soon. I'm excited to bring on my next guest, as we have some history together from many years ago. Bruce Garriach was, and still is, one of the beat writers for the Ottawa Senators. He's actually been there since day one of the modern era of the team, way back in 1990. Our paths crossed during my years with the franchise from 1994 to 1999. When most of us think about a hockey journey, we think of the one through the eyes of a player. But not everyone has that opportunity for a variety of reasons. But there's another group of individuals that have had a hockey journey, reached the top of their game, but just in a different sector. Bruce Garriach, a.k.a. Scoops, has one of those stories. He's been seen, heard, and read by the Ottawa Sun, MSN US, MSN Canada, MSN Money Canada, MSN South Africa, what is that? National Post, Toronto Sun, the Sports Network, TSN, Calgary Herald, Vancouver Sun, the Ottawa Citizen, and the list goes on. This guy is a rock star in the journalism world, and this is going to be awesome. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please help me in welcoming Bruce Garriott to the show. Scoops, welcome to the Hockey Journey Podcast, my friend. This is an honor to be on with one of my favorite defensemen on the Ottawa Senators. Oh, Scoops, you're too oh, kind. One of my favorite? Yeah, you were my favorite. There you go. <laughs> I'll never forget the night, okay? So I probably shouldn't jump here right away, but I will never forget the night, 1997. I was thinking about this the other day, probably because Jacques Martin is back. So um, you make the playoffs for the first time, right? Yeah. I don't know, it was 1998 when you knocked off, pardon me, you make the playoffs, you knock off the New Jersey Devils in round one of the playoffs. And all they talked about, Lance, was how much they kept beating themselves. And throughout that whole series, and you went off on them after Game 7 when you beat them in, in, in I'm not sure what, what it wasn't a seven-game series, was it? I don't but know, are you talking about that one or the game that we, uh, 
that we beat them to knock them out of the playoffs. Yeah, the game. No, no, no. The one where you beat them in the seven in the series, and they had finished first in the league, and they had show shown you no respect whatsoever throughout the whole series. Yeah, yes. Yeah, and you said, "Screw them. They've shown us no respect." And you said the better team won this series, and we were the better team, and <laughs> and that. That was incredible. I will never like, and and you were right because you were the better team. Oh, funny! Because I always remember that series because before they were on the verge of elimination, and Larry Brooks wrote wrote that the New Jersey Devils stood in abject abyss on the verge of one of the greatest jokes in National Hockey League history. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and I'd like. <laughs> You know, you know, there's lines that stick with you. <laughs> the line that I thought, if I could ever steal that line, I would. <laughs> so I have to, I have to add to that story. What I remember about that is, uh, you know, every every <clears throat> NHL team, the players, they have their Italian restaurant that they all go to, and ours is uh, Capone's. And we went, you know, we're we're playing the New Jersey Devils in the playoffs and our captain Yashin, Alexei Yashin is at our restaurant with all the Russian New Jersey players. And I'm like, what the heck? But now that, you know, you say what you said, I mean, maybe he, he got them all hammered up and he was drinking water. I mean, good job. Yash. <laughs> it was 1998. You beat them in six. Oh, funny. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So, well, this has got off to a nice start. Excellent work, <laughs> Scoops. That's why, you know, I get the, the best quality uh, guests on the show. And that was uh, the one where, <clears throat> remember Damien Rhodes had such a good record on the road that he stayed in a hotel? Because, because oh, yeah. Right? Like, I mean, like, you don't have those characters anymore. Like, <laughs> you know? Uh, like, like, because his record was so good, he when you were home, he stayed in a hotel the night before games. Like it's just you don't get that kind of stuff anymore. Anyway. I'm uh, I'm sure that you know the the stories just wrote themselves, and you're like, wow, thank you for that. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get there. But before we do, like I do with all the guests on here, scoops is uh, I want to rewind the tape to give our listeners just a. A uh, little glimpse into uh, you know what you've experienced your your whole life. So let's let's go back to to the beginning. And where did you grow up? Did you play hockey or other sports? Uh, because I've heard someone say that up in Canada, kids are pulled out of the womb by their skates. So <laughs> I don't know if you uh, if you uh, played hockey, but uh, you know, give us a snapshot of what it was like growing up, scoops. If you were scoops well, back what? then. Um... We grew up, I grew up in Ottawa, basically. My, my dad was in the military. And um, so basically, there's eight kids in my family. Wow. And we grew up on uh, bases across Canada. Um, you know, if there, was a, if there was an armed forces base, uh, there was probably a Gary Ock born there. Wow. Um, uh, one of my sisters was born in England when, when my dad was... Uh, stationed over there briefly uh i think another one was born in i think in no there was one born in germany but coal lake alberta trenton ontario um uh um i was born in montreal 
Uh, one of my, uh, I think one of my brothers was born in Ottawa. Anyway, we moved here when I was five from, uh, from North Bay. And uh, we've been here ever since. You know, I think one of the things that when I was a kid, you know, with eight kids in the family, um, on those days there were leagues on outdoor rinks. I didn't play in the league. I played with, I played with my buddies on the outdoor rink in in my neighborhood, which is called Queenswood Heights. Uh, my friends Brian Wise and Darren Dowker, we played a lot of road hockey. And when we didn't play road hockey, we went up to the outdoor rink with our with our longtime friend. Uh, uh, Greg Hill, and we played on the outdoor rink up there. And, you know, um, I spent Saturday nights. Uh, I kind of knew, I kind of knew when I was young what I wanted to do. I delivered newspapers. I thought for some reason uh, I want to be involved in sports. Um, I, you know, kind of caught on to, to, to um, hockey. I used to sit downstairs with a tape recorder on Saturday night and do play by play into a tape recorder. You did. How old were you? Uh, probably eight or nine. Holy cow. Um, of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I was a Leafs fan growing up simply because you were either a Leafs fan or a Habs fan. And uh, a lot of my friends were Habs fans. I just, I, I kind of, I always felt like I felt, I kind of felt sorry for the Leafs because they never won anything. And the Montreal Canadiens were winning a lot of Stanley Cups when I grew up in the 70s. Most successful franchise in history. And that's how I kind of, I just, I kind of knew that this was something I wanted to do. I knew I wasn't a good enough athlete to, to, to play anything. But um, like seriously, you thought that I'm not good enough to even play organized, ho- you know, hockey or baseball. Well, or anything? It's also money wise, too. Right. Like eight kids. Yeah, I guess I forgot about that. Right. Like, you know, we didn't have the uh, like we didn't have the money to to be to be involved in registered sports. You know, yeah. and when 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 we moved to Ottawa, the the bungalow, there were eight of us in a in a three bedroom bungalow. Right. Wow. And my my dad built two bedrooms downstairs. I mean, I don't I don't think I got my old bedroom my own bedroom till I was thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> Stay home with your parents, kids. It's, it's a way to have early retirement. <laughs> well, with the price of houses up there, I man, holy cow, that's that's not really out of the realm. I the the other part of that, I wish I was kidding. No, I. <laughs> anyway, that's a story for another day. But yeah, that's how I kind of, I just, I kind of knew, you know, I, I, even my last year of high school, like I, I, I just immediately applied for the the journalism program here at Algonquin College because I knew that that was something I wanted to do. I knew, I, I knew I wanted to do journalism. My plan was kind of to go to Algonquin College and then go to Carleton University, get get a journalism degree at Algonquin College, and then go to Carleton University, take a year of English, and then get into the program there because it was one of the most respected programs in the country. But uh, I got a job my second year and never looked back. So when you were you know, you're doing the play-by-play and stuff. Uh, 
today you do also a lot of the the written word uh writing articles and stuff uh were you doing that as well were you journaling were you you know doing writing outside of what you were required to do in school you know it, it, you know I, I i didn't um i i i i was more about if i had a project there was a pretty good chance that it was going to be based on something to do with either hockey or i love the rough riders football team at that time or the rough riders um uh, I I did to tell you the truth though the summer I um, summer before I went to journalism school someone told me you got to write like so I did volunteer at a uh, at a local little newspaper here I'm not sure they ever actually used me but um, it was called the Orleans Express but I I did go in there and volunteer and say you know if you need me to cover something I need to learn how to do this. Because wow. I had ta- I had taken a uh, when when you went into journalism school, um, they one of the questions was if you were assigned to a scene of a fire, who would you talk to? And I, I said, you know, the fire chief or whatever, uh, the police. Um, but. I realized then and there when I took that kind of it was kind of an aptitude test to see if you had any sort of um, any sort of idea what what you were getting yourself into. I thought, you know what, I need to uh, I need to brush up on this. So, yeah, I did before I went to school, at least tried to do some writing. Yeah. So when I mean, and you you really didn't know kind of where you would end up you just started the process that i want to be in this sector and let's see you know where where it takes me where do you where do you think you got your first big break where you're like yes i all this hard work has finally paid off so my buddy uh rob knights um just a friend of mine from high school he got a part-time job at the ottawa citizen he was working at a sunday newspaper called the uh Ottawa Sunday Herald, he um, and he was leaving, and this was in our second year of school. He was leaving because he had gotten this weekend job at the Citizen, and um, he said, "Look, I do NHL stats on weekends. It's seventy five bucks. Um, you know, you you start at nine a.m. You don't finish till midnight." And I said, "Okay." How, I can do that job. He said, he said, do you want me to put your name forward? So I went in and met with the sports editor, who is a guy you know, Chris Stevenson. Oh, no way. Yes. And uh, Chris was just out of Carleton University. So it was good for me, too, because he had just finished the journalism program at Carleton. I still have in my mind that, you know, once I finish up this year at Algonquin, I want to go to Carleton. So, you know, it was an opportunity opportunity for me to spend some time with him. And um, so I, I, it just kind of went from there. I went in on Saturdays. I used to, the first stop I had to make on Saturday morning, I mean, this is how old I am now, Lance, was I had to go to the bus station, because <laughs> which was just down the road from our offices. And the reason I had to go to the bus station was we had two columnists in Montreal 
Uh, one was named Glenn Cole, and the other one was Brody Snyder. Brody covered the Montreal Expos for us, and um, Glenn Cole covered the Canadians. And what they would do was they would send their column by bus on Friday. It would arrive Saturday morning. So the first thing I had to do Saturday morning, as soon as I got in, was type in their columns. Then later in later in the day, if either the Expos or Habs were playing, I would have to um, take their game stories over the phone. They'd phone me after, you know, Brody would call at the end of the fifth inning and send me some copy, and uh, Glenn would call at the end of the second period and give me some copy. So, uh, and then the rest of my day was basically spent formatting the NHL stats pages. And I used to write the briefs on the 67s game. You know, Brian Curry would call from the bus at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And I would write the the Brian Curry brief. And then at around Christmas that year, they got me to start doing some writing. And I got, they basically, they, they decided that they needed me full time. And I got hired in January, and all I had to do at school was finish up my other subjects, like public relations, what have you. And I made a whopping $300 a week. <laughs> that's why you, like, you have to pay your dues, right? Like, you know, that's 75 bucks. I was basically making 5 bucks an hour. But I knew that the experience, and this is what I'd say to young journalists now is, don't worry about the money to start. Um, just get the experience. And this is what I tell. I mentored a kid from Toronto recent, during, the, during the pandemic. And I said two things to him. I said, number one, get some experience. Number two, just write. Like, you know, do as much writing as you can. Even if you're not getting paid for it, just write. And that that's the way you're going to learn. That That's where... I probably learned more at the Sunday Herald than I learned in school, but certainly it gave me a uh, it gave me a good opportunity to to kind of refine my skills. You know, it's it's no different than going through a you know the the development phase of a hockey player that you first identify you know all the different puzzle pieces that you're going to have to or that you can you know put into your your toolbox and and a lot of that has to come as extras you know on top of it so you're going to school you know would be the games and the the practices but you identified from you know you got some good advice from people saying that you know this is you should get some experience in in doing this doing that you you did all those things i'm curious you know you got all the reps when did you feel like okay I belong now and you know you know I, I'm part of this uh this uh you know field. I think not till nineteen eighty eight. Uh we got bought by the Toronto Sun. Uh the Sunday Herald got bought by Toronto Sun in nineteen eighty eight. We went we went daily on November seventh, nineteen eighty eight, and um you know I'd always wanted to go up against the people of the citizen. Um and I felt comfortable then that I could. I mean, in those days, Lance, like, 
it was kind of funny because the deadline then was, well, what time do you think you're going to be done? You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah, so, yeah. Like, come on. We, I mean, now it's so immediate. But that that's when I felt like, you know what? I'm ready to compete. I've kind of had my training. I know what this takes. Um, you know, uh, and and I think it'll be, it, it's, it's been, from there, I, I kind of, when we got bought by the sun, that's when I, my career kind of took off. So walk us through then, kind of, you know, all the things that kind of happened because you were, you know, working for them then, but then you also get some, uh, some other gigs on TV and, and now the world's completely changed with podcasts yeah. and yeah. Uh, no, all I that stuff. Football. I covered football for four years. Uh, I was there when the, the Senators won the franchise in 1990. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I started covering the Senators in 92 when they came here. I just, it, it seemed natural for me to, I had done the biggest beat in the city in, in doing football. Um, and it seemed natural for me to, to move on to hockey with Chris Stevenson. And, you know, we were a good team. Uh, we, we, we did our jobs, uh, completely different. Um, I had a certain style. I, I, I'm, I'm still a believer that people read you to, to get news and, um, you know, I, I I felt like I was aggressive in my ability to to break news at that time. And in those days, Lance, you know, you had to pick up the paper to to to, to break news. Now it's yeah, you know, now it's a hell of a lot more difficult. Um, but you know, I, the one thing I, I've learned from this business is it's about relationships. Why am I on with you today? Because we had a great relationship. Because Lance Pitlick knew I wouldn't screw him, right? Yeah. If Lance Pitlick told me something and said you can't use us, I wouldn't screw you, right? Like, yeah. That's not what our our business is a lot about relationships and and the fact that people can trust you. And you know, one of the things that you know people people thought, oh well, when when Eugene Melnick dies, well, Bruce Garriock is done. That'll be the end of him. It's, it, no, that, that's not the way it works. Um, I had a good relationship with Eugene Melnick. A lot of people didn't. Um, but, you know, um, I think one of the things that Eugene Melnick knew was that he could trust me. And I spent a lot of time telling Eugene Melnick he shouldn't do things, right? Yeah. And, you know, Sometimes he listened, sometimes he didn't. But there will be a book there one day, I can tell you that much. When huh. I when I, when I do get out of this business, I I think one of the things I will do and look, I was gonna write a book when they won the Stanley Cup. Um I'm still holding out hope that that will happen. But if it doesn't happen before I retire, then I'll probably write a book based on everything I've seen over my thirty plus years covering this team. Yes, it, it's been a career. So I, I'm sure that uh, that you know some secrets, <laughs> and I don't know what 
what will be revealed. But is is that hard to not be lured over to to the dark side because there there are you know some people in that business that you know thrive in that environment. How do you mean? I mean where they they'll get a you know a scoop uh, that you know maybe the person says you know yeah and and you don't like you I I knew that but there are also some reporters yeah, along the way what? like that that you know what though is it worth it I, I guess here's my thing um, is it worth it if you're gonna get someone fired or you're gonna um, or you're going like to me <clears throat> to me it's not worth ruining your ruining ruining your reputation over this guy's been over being first on this guy's being traded to Toronto or whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I mean I look at like I scoops, I look at it like, like this. Remembers Dion Phaneuf deal. Right. I knew that deal was coming down. Okay, when Dion Phaneuf was dealt here, I knew the deal was coming down. I didn't know it was a nine-player deal at the time, but I knew it was coming down, and I knew the day it was coming down. Um, but to me, why would I ruin my relationship with somebody just be, just to get a scoop? To me, it's it's to me that's not worth it. And and you're right, there are a lot of people in in this business who will who 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 might um i don't know of any i'm gonna be honest i don't well may know a few no i, I don't yeah. know of any but um there's some that'll put you know cross the line a little bit uh but there's others and there are there's few of them there that's the oh, no. that's I, a, I, the I, exception i don't know of anybody in certainly in this marketplace but 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 i i think you know um yeah, I just I I I think that uh that this is is um you know, I I think that you have to put your reputation ahead of getting a scoop and and if if someone asks you to sit on something and I think you'll tell them to sit on. I guess I would summarize it like this with you know, there there's some reporters that if you don't have a relationship with them or you're kind of a an a hole to them. Um, you know, you got to report what you got to report what you see. But if you have a good relationship with someone like you and I did, you know, I'll make a mistake. You'll report on that, but you're not going to write the extra two paragraphs, you know, on how I could have done something different. You know, you'll just oh, yeah. be, like, uh, to me. So to me, one thing I've really noticed from doing TV is quite often I sit on the TV set, right? Yeah. Which is, I would say, Lance, about 40 rows from the ice. And one thing you really notice when you get in the press box is how slow the game is up there. You know, and yeah. I'm sure you've noticed that too. You know, it, it, when you're closer to the ice, it's real time. When you're on the ice, it is real time. Um, and, and that's one thing I've really noticed is how fast the game is when the closer you are to it. Like, you don't. When you sit up where we sit, you often don't appreciate the speed of which things happen. Right. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's over the last twenty-five some years, you know, it's it's been over two decades since since I was there. The NHL has made a 
a shift from back when I was playing. You know, one of the most notable notable changes was the elimination of the designated fighter enforcer to a more skilled and deeper lineup. Do you like where the game is today? And and you know, if not, what improvements, uh, if any, do you think would be made to continue to evolve uh, the game of hockey? One of the things I'd like to see them get rid of is there's a few things. And as a defenseman, I think you'll appreciate. I don't like the puck over the glass. You know, I just, I don't, I, I don't think guys do it intentionally. Uh, I don't, I don't agree with that call. I think it's, um, I think replays for guys having a toenail over the blue line uh, have, have taken away the, human element of the game. The other thing I'd like to see go is a trapezoid. And and I'd still like I the other thing I think, Lance, and maybe you you would be better than me on this. Why does a guy have to fight every time there's a clean hit? Like I don't <laughs> yes. like, that makes me insane. Guys well, having to fight every time there is a clean hit, that makes me insane. It was a clean hit, move on. It happens. That's part of the game. Why do you think I paid every tough guy I ever played with? I paid for their dinners all the time. So when that happened, I hit someone. They were right there to clean it up. I yeah, got... no, I know. Like, come on. Uh, it's... But that shouldn't have to happen. Right. Yeah. One thing that I would say when they, you know, someone would come and want to fight me, I'm like, he should be penalized. He had his head down too long. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fight you. No, I, I, I anyway, I, and the other thing, I, I, I don't like the, I don't like the trapezoid either. I think that that's just that was made for Martin Brodeur. Like, fine, he's he's retired now. You've been covering hockey players for a long time, and uh, I, you know, us as players, we're put in a stressful situation, game after game. Uh, some games are more of a pressure cooker than others, but, you know, they all seem to figure out how to perform in that environment. How do you manage the stress of a tight deadline, especially now, like you mentioned, that, you know, it's immediate. You got to report now uh, because I'm sure it happens many times over the course of a year <clears throat> where things get tight for you. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's you know, um, last summer we are up at the – beach with a bunch of friends right you know supposed to be off for a month alex brinkett gets traded on a sunday night as we're all getting prepared to go down and see the sunset um you know like you can't at that moment you can't say well i can't do this right you have to do it that that's one thing is um we have less people now uh, you can't say well someone else will do it that's not the way it works now lance i mean you're pretty much on 24 7, 365 now. Um, you can put things in place to try to make sure you're covered. Um, you know, if, if you want a weekend off or something, but that, that's, that's been the biggest adjustment. It's just the immediacy, the amount, the video, the radio, um, you know, and, uh, we do weekly video now. Um, video after big news. Um, my work with one thing I can say is my work with TSN has really helped my profile. Um, 
I've been with them for 10 years now, and that has really helped my profile in the city. And they've been very, very good to me. But but even, you know, it might be a three-minute hit, but even the work that goes into that hit, uh, that, you know, trying to figure out what you're going to talk about at the morning skate, then going it over in the afternoon with a producer, figuring out what the questions are going to be, what you want to address that night, and then being prepared to, quite frankly, change on the fly because it can change before you get to air at night. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, that sounds like fun. <laughs> no, it is. You know, like, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. And But that's the other thing, Lance. It's just hockey, right? Like, that was why I always like guys like your approach and Mac and, you know, um, like, it, I mean, it, you know, some of the guys, um, Wade Redden, Randy Cunningworth, like, it's, it's just hockey. Just yeah. have some fun, right? Yeah. You know, that's why it's kind of, it's kind of fun to have Jacques and Alfie back here right now, right? Like, yeah. you know, two guys who were just, you know, Jacques was just, Jacques was like a father to me when he was the coach of the Senators, right? Like Me, me too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like just, uh, 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 you know, just in, in Alfie, I mean, you know, Alfie's just, Alfie's just good fun to be around. He tells great stories. Like it's, it's incredible, right? Yeah. So you, you talk about the commitment that you have to have now you got to be on 24 seven. Um, you're married, Mara. Is it Mara? Maria. 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 I knew it was somewhere around there. You know, is it hard to have a relationship, uh, being in the field you're in? Well, I, I, I think that, um, one thing I will say is I'm lucky Maria was a journalist for 20 years before she got into communications. <laughs> And she was a police reporter for 15 of those years. Oh, so wow. she gets it. And, and I'm fortunate. Like, she knows anything can happen at any time. And she gets it and she understands it. But, yeah, no, it would be, it would be, there would be a strain, I think, if if she didn't understand what this job entails. Yeah, I didn't know that. But uh makes a lot of no, sense. No, she was, uh, she, she ended up. She worked for Belinda Stronach as her director of communications for two years um, as when she was an MP. And now she's at Carleton University. She's in uh, strategic communications there. And, uh, you know, um, she's an assistant to the an assistant to the vice president in communications. And so she gets it. And, you know, there's been many a time where. I'll write a story. I'll say to Maria, can you touch this up for me? And I'll, <laughs> I'll just enter my computer and she'll edit it and read it and say, you know, you can, this could be better or that could be better. I mean, there. I'll, I'll never forget. I got this letter one time. I had obtained this letter that this executive from Air Canada had written after, remember, um, Remember when uh, Zdeno Chara hit Max Pacioretty in Montreal? Yes. And um, there was an executive with Montreal 
there was an executive with Air Canada who was at the game who was clearly a Montreal Canadiens fan who I think went off script and wrote the National Hockey League and said if if um they didn't do something about this, if the National Hockey League didn't punish Zidane Chera to their satisfaction, um, then Air Canada would consider pulling its sponsorship. Oh, wow. And, oh, yeah. So I got this big story. So I get the letter, and I'm in Florida by the pool, right, <laughs> just sitting down for happy hour. When I get this letter, so I read the letter, and I—I I, I mean, I do know it—it's—it's it's, you know, it's not sports, right? And it's, uh, but I phoned Maria. I said, Maria, I got to send you his letter, and we've got to craft this story. So she basically, for lack of a better word, like she basically wrote that story for me, and then she said, "Okay, this is." You know, this is who you need to reach out to to get comment. And this is, uh, I mean, I, I knew, I, I like, it ended up that her friend was the spokesperson for her Canada. So she's like, well, you've got to reach out to such and such to get comment from Air Canada. And she was like me. She thought this guy from Air Canada has gone off the island. Like, he, he, he. He's not in a position to make this threat, but he has. And right. she's like, okay, now you got to reach out to Bill Daly. So anyway, it was quite quite a process. But she's not a former journalist. I don't have that resource, right? Right. <clears throat> Do you use uh, AI much in what you're doing now? No. Okay. No, not at all. No, no. And I hope so I, I never do. You know. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, just understand it. And there, there's some things that I uh, use it for. Like if I'm interviewing someone on the podcast, um, I'll use that Chat GPT or whatever it is, um, yeah. and just put their Wikipedia page in there and say, "Can you write an intro or a couple questions I can ask them?" And it, it's it's pretty useful, but you know, for getting started, I guess. Um, one thing I got to thank you when I when my playing career was over, Roy Malacher um, brought me in. You get you know it looked like they were going to go pretty far in the playoffs, and he asked me if I wanted to come and do some journalism stuff, uh, a radio show with Galley, sit in on that, and then I you know sit in on the pregame show and then get the first questions um, at home games at the uh, post game press conference, but you were gracious in um, just answering any question that I had. And I mean, I, the one thing that I, I learned is, is that I, I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> and here uh, you are asking me questions. <laughs> no, well, you know, if you're, if you're going to do it, you want to try to do yeah, it the no. best that you can, you know, no, I, I was like you, you know, what what needs to be what do you need to be effective here? So you were, you know, shared a lot of stuff. Um, but it's it is a it's a tough life. I mean, you're there longer than the players. You're at the rink before the players get there for a pregame skate, you're there after, 
you're there before the game, you're there way after the game, you know, when players have left. I mean, it's it's a tough life. And that's, I'm like, I don't want to do this. You know, I, yeah, I just retired from that life. I would say those, um, uh, because, you know, people have harder jobs than us, right? Like, it, it, I, I've always looked at this like, yes, it's work, but I could be working. And, and, and I'm not, you know, I drop my wife off at work. She goes to the office from nine to five. I pick her up at five. Um, and, and, and I sometimes say to people, well, she got out of journalism in the nick of time, but I've never, like, I've always appreciated that a lot of people would want to be doing what I'm doing. They'd love to get paid to watch hockey games for a living. So I've always kind of looked at it that way that. You know, I could actually be working, and and it's still fun, right? And when it's not fun, that's when it'll be time for me to leave. And that, and that's the other thing, Lance. Like, <clears throat> I'm still driven, right? Like, I'm I'm still driven. I still love it. I still want to compete. Um, you know, I still want to to be first on a story. And when I lose that drive and desire, then then I'll probably get out. But one of the things I will say, I'm not so driven that, that you know, you talked earlier about the dark side. I'm not so driven that I go to the dark side and screw somebody just to to have a story first. That That's not me. I'd rather sit on the story than, 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 than you know, put the boots to someone's career. Right, right. Well, thank you. <laughs> as someone that uh you know was part of your world you know you definitely um you know didn't uh give much bad advertising for me so i appreciate that um back in 2021 you revealed something i mean it's you know when i read it researching for this i'm like wow um you know i didn't know that you were going through that, you know, and all the times that I've known you, but you, you've had uh, some close ties with uh, mental health and talk to about, talk to everyone about uh, kind of what you were going through and then what made you kind of um, seek help. And I'm sure Maria was a big part of that. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I, 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 I was basically, I, I have generalized anxiety. And, and, um, you know, you have to come to terms with it. And I came to terms with it. I was, I was getting, starting to get anxious about travel and just about, you know, missing flights and, 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 um, you know, if I was on the road at a game in Dallas and I had a 7am flight, I may as well have gone to the airport right after the game because <laughs> I wasn't wow. getting any sleep going back to the hotel oh wow i wasn't getting any sleep i was up all night i was worried about getting places i was uh and it then it just started to seep into my life and then i i got to a point around january of of uh i would say 2020 where it just uh you know i couldn't go on the road anymore i just i couldn't uh, I just, you know, or if it went on the road, it was for one game. I, I had to, like, keep my life pretty simple. And um, it became that debilitating. You know, yeah, it, it it froze me. And, um, you know, Maria and I had a lot of chats and we went and saw 
a, a doctor and he, you know, I just, I take a little bit of, um, I take a little bit of medication every day. You know, coming to terms with taking that medication was tough too, because, you know, I kind of stood in the bathroom and I think, okay, like, if, or in the kitchen, pardon me, and I'm thinking, okay, if I'm going to take this, I have to take it for the rest of my life. Like, I can't think that I'm just going to be cured. Like, this is going to be with me the rest of my life. And um, I've actually just changed my, I'm, I'm now taking a smaller dosage um, because I, I haven't had any, I'm never going to be off this stuff, but I'm now taking, you know, I've gone from 50 milligrams to, I'm just switching to 25 milligrams here. And I think it was important to talk about it. And I sought advice and I think you can't be afraid to talk about it. And I thought, you know, if 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 I'm going to do this, when Bell Let's Talk Day rolled around June 2021, my 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 wife and I talked a lot about, it and I said, you know what, maybe we can just help one person. That that would be okay. It's okay. It's okay to talk that you're not okay, and that while outwardly everything may look okay, you're not okay inside, and you're not. You're not. I just I wasn't myself. I wasn't having any fun anymore. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I'm a, I, I like to have fun. And even I know now I'm back, like I'm back to being me. I can go have fun and things, the smallest thing doesn't upset me. You know, it's, it's tough because I mean, you don't, there's, and I'm not saying that because someone's more in the public eye than others that, it's it's there's different levels of anxiety or whatever someone's going through but you know when you're in the public eye and i think about the the time when i'm a player that you know that that's showing weakness you know if you're a player saying you know that that's a weakness they're they're not going to give give me a contract they're going to sit me if they find this out and um it's i i find that you know to be very challenging i'm sure for you know i i've had you know every player has times during their career where things get off the rails and you know that are out of your control and um it's hard to get back on and to ask for help so you know uh, yeah, nice you never know you, you're right lance you never know what anyone's going through so you know take a walk in somebody else's shoes right and you can't do that so just be careful. Yeah. And talk, you know, talk to people, keep talking. Yeah. No. And, and, and I, you know, I, I, I talk to people all the time, but you know, you got to make sure you're in the right place. And, and I'm not saying you, you got to be, a, I don't, I don't want to put this improperly, but you got to be a little bit selfish and make sure you take care of yourself first. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, good messaging, and uh, thank you for for uh, taking that stand, you and Maria, about just uh, helping one person. I'm sure you've helped uh, more than that. Now that that's been around for a while, so let's uh, let's skip back to when. Well, I wasn't really young because I played my first NHL game there when I was 27. But this new player, when he came to the Ottawa Senators, what does Scoops remember about uh, the rookie Lance Pitlick? Oh my God. You know, it's kind of funny because one of the things I remembered was, didn't you drive a, like a Ford Focus or something? <laughs> no, 
Probably. I, Corsica, probably. I, 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 think, I think I remember you because you were one of the few people who drove a car that was kind of like the one we were driving. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I just remember, I, I mean, I remember Randy Lee speaking really highly of you and saying, you know, this guy's a competitor. This guy's going to, uh, you know, you're going to like this guy. And you're going to think highly of him because he, this guy is does nothing but compete. But you were in New Haven, right? No, I was in Hershey. In Hershey, okay, yeah, and and no, but I just remember like they they said you were a guy who was going to compete, and um, and and you know I just remember like you quickly made your presence felt because you were physical. And they didn't have many physical players at that time, did they? No, I don't think they did. Not you know, and, and and no, just like always good for a laugh, always fun, you know, always quick witted, always told great stories. <laughs> the one the one thing I remember was the night that you, me, Mac, Teddy Donato. Gord Wilson and Dean Brown went out in Pittsburgh. Oop, sorry. Cake style. <laughs> sorry about that. We went out in Pittsburgh on an off day to have a few beers and tell a few stories. And Ted Donato and Sean McEachern <laughs> told the funniest stories I think the three of us had ever heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I, I doubt you remember that, but I do. Well, I don't. Uh, who, brought, who brought you here, Lance? Uh, I believe it was Ray Shiro. I, when I was in Hershey, we were playing Cornwall in the playoffs, okay. and that's where he saw uh, me. And uh, Ottawa was, I had, I could sign with uh, the Minnesota Moose because Lisa was pre med at the time. So she. They were luring me in there saying, hey, you can play here. She can start school. And then the other one was Ottawa. And Lisa was the one that said, um, you know, they're connected with, a, it was a two-way deal. You're, they're connected with an NHL team. You know, let's go there. I can always start school in another year or two. So, yeah, that's how we got there. And then, um, you know, Davey Allison had him in the uh, Prince Edward Island there. and that's then when right. he, you know, I got I got a little chance when Sexton was uh, the coach there. Not Sexton, but uh, Bonus was the was the coach. I got a few games that, but then when uh, Davey got called up, he brought a few of us up too. But that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No. If I if we weren't uh, going to live in Minnesota, I I think that we would have retired in in Ottawa, and I probably would be you know working for the Senators or you know, doing doing uh, some stuff that you're you're involved with. Um, so what what are you doing nowadays? Uh, still full throttle and TV and you know yeah, writing. Yeah, I mean we don't travel as much as we used to. Um, Why is that? Just, Why is that? Well, just it's budget, right? It's yeah, like, you know, just that's the reality, and I I think that's one of the things that that where COVID really affected the newspaper industry. And, um, uh, I just think that, uh, you know, uh, but it's still busy and I still do my 
TV hits and, uh, you know, still grinding away. In fact, you know, when I hang up from you here, I got a 2 p.m. Eastern deadline and I got to punch out 850 words. And I'm just thinking here, what am I going to write? <laughs> but, you know, that that's, you know, that's fine. I'll be okay. I've well, done yeah. this long enough. We know you're going to be okay because you got Maria there. Yeah, no, I, I know, but I've also done this long enough that I know I can come up with something. And I made a few phone calls before, before you, uh, before getting on with you. And one of the people just called me back, so I'll call them back as soon as I hang up here. No, it's just you know what? Like, uh, I kind of thought this was year they were going to make the playoffs. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But I would hope that next year they've got a competitive team and a. I really like this new owner, Michael Anlauer, and Steve Steos is a really impressive guy. And you brought in Dave Poulin, and he's a really good guy. And, you know, I think there'll be a new head coach next year. It's been, like I said earlier, it's been great to have Jacques and Alfie around. And I, I really am happy that, that uh, DJ Smith is going to finish the year in Los Angeles because he's just been a, He's a prince of a man. So, no, I, I still enjoy it, Lance, and, and I still have fun with it. And like I say, as long as that's going on, I'll continue. So before a game starts, you know, players, I'd always get nervous. You know, I think Tiger Woods was quoted as saying that when he's not nervous teeing off on that first hole is when he walks away from the game. But, you know, what excites you before a game starts and, you know, uh, you know, what, what's scoring a goal for you? Cause every player wants to score a goal. You know, you go into a game, what's, what's the equivalent of scoring a goal for you during a, a game? Uh, breaking a story. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know what? I just, I think I've always said, like, if you can't, if you can't get excited about, like one of the great things is covering a game and, in any Canadian city on a Saturday night. It's just like, it's the best. There's just, there's so much excitement around a Saturday night in Canada. Yeah. Um, and to me, if you can't get excited about that, you cannot get excited. And I just, I, I think that, you know, a 2-2 tie with a minute to go is not ideal for a writer, to be honest, because... <laughs> you know, you have to, I have to follow as soon as the, the buzzer goes, but I've done it so much now that it doesn't even, that used to really throw me off. It doesn't throw me off anymore. Okay. I, I just, I get it. And, but I really, I just dig Saturday nights. Like the Leafs are here on Saturday nights on Saturday night when the centers return from the break. To me, that's going to be great. That's, that's like. That's excitement to me. So you mentioned a little bit earlier, but I want to ask you to provide that again. If you were, and you said you were mentoring uh, some young kid wanting to get into the journalism uh, game, what advice would you uh, give some young person that uh, you know has the curiosity and the bug early on here in their teenage years? What should they uh, be focusing on and doing? Well, the business has changed so much, and I was just 
saying to someone yesterday, I mean, we like we work totally from home now. We don't have a newsroom anymore, right? And, and Do you, you really? Missed, wow. Yeah, you miss the days of those camaraderie of going into the newsroom and spending time with people like Chris and Earl McRae and, you know, um, having the opportunity to, to you know, <clears throat> work with them and, and pick their brains on what I was thinking. The thing I would say now is, you know, don't be afraid to volunteer somewhere or intern somewhere or or something and uh and if you're going to be a writer you got to write so write wherever you can and if if someone offers you a blog then work at that blog and um so it'll be i mean it's 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 the the thing i can say is you got to be prepared to to work hard and maybe <clears throat> you know not make as much as maybe you think you should make but there's a price to be paid and if you pay your dues you'll work your way up and i know that a lot of people don't think that there's hope in journalism right now but i still think there's plenty of racetrack left and and journalism remains important because people are still going going to want to read the stories do you think that you've reached the the top of the mountain or is there still something else that you're hoping to achieve? Well, I'd like to see them win a Stanley Cup. I mean, and then like that's not in my hands, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've covered this team since day one. I, I would, you know, I can't control that. Um, uh, you know, but I would, before I retire, I'd like to see them win a Stanley Cup. And I'd like to cover a team that wins a Stanley Cup, you know. When they went there in 2007, I thought, well, you know, they'll get back here. They've got a good team. And, and then, you know, they haven't, they haven't been back since, Yeah, you know, and, 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 you know, you had the, the great teams in the two thousands and anyway, uh, what did you, have you ever covered like the Olympics? I'm sure you covered the world juniors. Uh, yes, I've covered two Olympics and, um, yeah, no, and and I've covered uh, I've covered uh, two Olympics. I've covered covered World Juniors. We'll have the World Juniors here again next December. I've you know I've I've been to four Stanley Cup Finals. I've I've you know one of the things I would love I'd love to do uh, I'd love to do a British Open before I retire, but because I love golf, um, but I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, no, I, I, I've, I don't need to go to another Olympics. I've been to the Olympics. I don't, uh, I don't, you know, the, the, I, I just would, like I say, if I could cover, if I could, I think it would be something special to cover a team from day one, and then cover them if they won the Stanley Cup. I just, I think that would be special, and I, and like I say, I'm not, I'm not cheering. I'm not cheering for the Senators. I'm cheering for the story. And I and I'd like to cover that story. If that did happen, would that be a drop the mic and walk away? <laughs> yeah, it'd be time to go for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I told Eugene Melnick that I said I'll retire, but right after you win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Um, we talked about 
uh, your story with uh, mental health. Is there any uh, organization that you would like to mention that I, we can share with our listeners in case well, they're... Yeah, I think the organization that's close in Ottawa that, you know, um, is uh, Luke Richardson's Do It For Darren, uh, Luke and Stephanie. Um, they have done a wonderful job here in Ottawa with the Royal Ottawa Mental Health. Um, and, uh, you know, the, they their story and the way they told their story inspired me to tell my story. And certainly that, you know, a lot of mental health and do it for Darren is is something that's very close to everybody here in the city. Good. All right. Well, we'll definitely put that uh, in the description so people can uh, learn a little bit more if they'd like. Uh, well, the streak continues, my friend. Uh, the guest carried the show. Uh, I want to congratulate you on a just a great hockey life uh, for being a stand-up guy and, you know, reporting the story, but, you know, keeping your integrity and, um, I guess, showing us players that are on the other side that, uh, you know, there, there's a human element that uh, can go a long way in, in that long-term relationship. So uh, congrats on everything that you've done and are going to continue to do. I know you got a place on Lake Huron or something like that that I want an invite to. and. Yeah. Uh, but just uh, thanks for sharing your story, Scoops. You'll uh, when I think of you, I always have a smile on my face. Uh, it's great to talk to you. Always great to catch up, and I'll talk to you soon. And thanks, thanks for the time today. Do you, one last question: Do you think I should come up for the World Juniors? Not saying that I got to go to every game, but uh, like go to go to a bar with Don and Nancy or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Don, Don's got the basement waiting for you. There we go. Okay. So I might have to do that. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, uh, have a great rest of the season. And I hope that uh, those senators, uh, as long as they're not playing my kid, win the Stanley Cup. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Well, that concludes another episode of the Hockey Journey podcast. I hope you enjoyed Bruce Garriach's Hockey Journey. What I found interesting is that regardless of the discipline, hockey player or hockey journalist, the process for success is exactly the same. Find your passion, seek out master coaches or mentors in that sector, and start working on your craft weekly, gaining as much knowledge and experience as you can along the way, and if you stick with it long enough, holding true to that belief that you will eventually reach your destination. People seem to always get to where they want to go. I can't thank you enough for stopping by and listening. I hope you enjoyed the interview. And if you think there's someone in your circle of family and friends that might like this episode as well, please share it with just one person. It would really help me in growing this hockey community. Again, I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, or submit a review. I hope to see you back here soon. And do me a favor, make someone close to you smile today. All the best, my friends.